Thanks for tuning in for this sermon from Real Church Goshen. We pray that this message will encourage you to do the work that God has called you to do. So tonight, um, I want to talk to you uh, about something that's kind of been on my mind, Um, something that... um, it's familiar to most of you, and it is um, the idea of being good and faithful. Being good and faithful. Um, I got to tie this somehow into Father's Day. So, fathers, wouldn't you love if your kids were good and faithful? Yes. That was my Father's Day plug. Uh, that's all I got, okay? Uh, um, good and faithful. I was thinking about this because in Matthew 25, we've all heard it, many of us have recited it at some point in our lives where the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's kind of, that's kind of like, when I get there, (laughs) that's kind of what I'm going for. It's not, hey Jimbo, how you been? It's, well done, good and faithful servant. See, that's one of the things that in Christianity we talk so much about, about getting to that type of experience when we get to the throne of God, is to hear those types of words. And like, this is the goal. This is like, we get to promised land. This is it. Well done, good and faithful servant. We make decisions, most of us, make decisions off of that goal. Like, we know that's my goal, so, you know, we try to maybe choose our words a little wiser, right? Or, we, or we, we try to manage our emotions or our response to others based around that goal. That goal sometimes just kind of tries to keep us in check, right? It tries to help us make sure, okay, I do want to be a father that when my kids hear my voice, they could hear this tone and not always a much more elevated tone um, that makes me feel like my ears are about to explode, Right? Is that fair? I think that's fair. Um, I, fortunately, am a perfect father, and so I don't have any of those issues. Um, You can ask Bethany. She will commit to say that I am a perfect father and that I never have any moments where she's like, chill out, bro. It's just milk that was spilled. (laughs) And for anyone who believes that there's um, no reason to cry over spilt milk, um, there is a reason if your father is screaming in your face about it. That actually becomes a pretty legit reason <laughs> to cry over spilled milk, especially when your house has those pine wood floors that are like this, and they have gaps that are like this thick, and you know that that milk will be there until you replace the floors one day. Um, that's just the way it is in my house. Um, so so I, it just got me thinking about, you know, we are longing to hear this. We are longing for this. There is so much in Christianity talking about this idea of being a good and faithful servant. Not a good and faithful churchgoer. <laughs> Not a good and faithful tither. Not a good and faithful, well, I'm just, I could do this for a while, and I might be trying to buy time because I don't know how long this is, so I might do that for like the next eight minutes. Um, is that all right? Maybe, maybe not. Brian Armand's like, just move forward, man. Um, I saw it in his eyes. Um, so there's, there's a problem, there's a problem that I believe that has happened within Christianity to such a degree that we put so much weight on it 
and it's that we have allowed church attendance to be the qualifier for good and faithful. And for a lot of people, church attendance alone. And I'm not, let me explain this. I'm not saying this from their perspective. Hear me out on this. I'm not saying it from the church attender's perspective. I'm saying it from everyone else's perspective. You can perceive someone to be good and faithful because they show up every Sunday to church. Boy, I've never seen someone more faithful because they come to church every week. See, there is a whole package here to this whole good and faithful servant part. It's like in the church, you have people who will serve and you will have people who will consume. I don't know if you know that. But there are people who will serve and there are people who will just consume. That's what they want to do. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be bouncing around Hebrews a little bit today. Um, And we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read verse 6 because... If truly our heart's desire is to be recognized as a good and faithful servant, I think we have to break down and understand what is that? You know, how do I, how am I faithful? How do I become faithful in my life? How do I walk out my days being recognized and being faithful, right? We want, there is nothing wrong with desiring people to see the good and the glory that is within you. You should desire that. You should desire that. Okay, Hebrews eleven six says this. Another familiar passage. And without faith, it is impossible, say impossible, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we're working towards this, you know, good and faithful servant. That's kind of the standard. This is what I'm going through. And you have to recognize that without faith, it is impossible. And see, I believe, and I've read, and I feel like I've discovered in my own life that faith isn't visible without some sort of sacrifice. Like, it's not like, man, you know what? Took a chance on the Lord today. Pulled up to Chipotle. Walked in. I gave him my order. I gave him my car with my bank account. And I knew there was enough money in there. But my card was not declined. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is the faith that I'm walking in. See, we, we have sometimes over-spiritualized things in such a way that we don't really understand the application of faith. And the application of faith is only available in a time of sacrifice. Like, if you look at the Old Testament, right? If you look at the Old Testament, when they made a sacrifice to God, it truly was a sacrifice, and it required faith because they were taking the very best that they had, the very first that they had, it was as good as it gets, okay? As good as it gets. And they were laying that out as a sacrifice, and that required faith. Today, I don't see us apply faith in that same way. We apply faith to the situations that we feel comfortable with, and that is not that is not experiencing and giving of our first fruits. It is not giving of our best. 
And it's like we've attrib- attributed this, this church attendance as the ultimate reflection of faith. Like there are saints in the church, and I don't mean this to be degrading towards anyone, you know my heart, but because they have just been there forever, that they are considered saints in the church. And church attendance, it should, you know, old, old Nancy, we ain't got no Nancys, do we? No. 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 <laughs> okay, Nancy's good. But, but there's, some, there's some Nancys that may have come to church every single day that the church doors were open, but the vile things that she would say about the people in the church <laughs> doesn't really qualify her in sainthood, folks. <laughs> so we have, we have put such a weight on this idea of this concept of, man, I was, I'm in the church doors every time the church is open. But are you applying faith in your life? See, we, 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 I think we fall into this trap because I know faithful, and I say faithful, I'm talking about people of faith who have experienced sacrifice, who've experienced hurt, and they stand by the word and they present the gospel every chance that they can in a loving, beautiful exchange that may never be in a church. You're like, well, that's not possible, Tom. (laughs) It is. And I'll say this, that I have seen the way that the church responds to people like this because what happens is when you find someone as a fellow believer, the first thing out of your mouth sometimes is, where do you go to church? And if the response is, well, I don't actually go anywhere, a lot of Christians would be like, Christian, my, you know what? I'm not buying it. Said they ain't go to church. <laughs> and see, we, it, and that just shows you, like, the question isn't, tell me about some of the miraculous things God has done in your life. Tell me about how meaningful God is to you. Tell me about, no, it's what church do you go to? And then after you hear what church, maybe it is a church, you're kind of like, ooh, I know some people at that church. I know what that church is like. That pastor did this in the pulpit. Did you hear about that? You know, it's just, it's literally just beating each other up. It's like, well, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't seem like anything that I see in here. And see, we have to, we have to begin to recognize that, um, we have been settling to try to honor God with church attendance and completely bypassing, completely eliminating, say, God doesn't really desire sacrifice in my life. I mean, not me. Now, I'm not saying that this is a justification for not being a part of a faithful group of believers and encouragement and all that stuff, okay? Um, there's for my clause queen in the back. Um, what I'm trying to get you to see is that there's a difference between a faithful attender and a faithful believer, okay? There's a, there's a difference between faithful attending and faithful believing. And I believe that the body of Christ needs to get back to a true place of faith. Walking it out, living it out. I've heard many stories that sound like this pastor. 
man, we have taken a huge step of faith. Whoa, you know. Well, tell me about it. What have you done? We put in an offer in a half a million dollar home, and uh, we're believing God uh, to make up the other $475,000 that we can't afford. Um, and so we're just moving forward. This is a huge moment of faith for me. And uh, you, you hear stories like this, and what we've done is we've applied faith into all these other little situations, right? And what we need is we need people of big faith to apply it towards things of the kingdom. Things of the kingdom. See, when we allow us to spend our currency of faith strictly on our earthly desires, is it faith? Or is it a working up of our own doing, of our own things, of our own ways to really accomplish some of our own personal goals? And let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with personal goals. I am a goal guy. We have goals. Bethany and I have goals. And we work hard to accomplish those goals. But I'll tell you, when we experience some of those goals, it's not this, you know, it's not always this thing where we've laid out a fleece and we've pulled the fleece back. We don't super spiritualize everything that happens, okay? But there are things in the kingdom that we are either sowing into or we are, or we are uh, literally tilling, cultivating, that are those moments of faith. And we have literally applied faith only to these little situations in our lives. And sacrificing your first fruits looks a whole lot more differently than just spending your money and calling it a sacrifice. You know, how do we, how do we relate to the sacrifice of the past of what the Old Testament looked like. Now, I'm not, talk, I'm not about to pull a goat out the back. Don't worry. It's all good. We ain't got no sheep back there. Bethany really wants a sheep, though, for the record. But that's not happening. Um, not right now. Sorry. Um, but how, how do we become a people who apply faith like that? See, because I'll be honest with you, and, and, and Bethany and I, have, I've, I've shared this with you in the past, you know, we've, we have been in moments of life that required intense faith. Intense, I mean, down on your face, crying out to God, faith. And it was times in those times that really helped us to recognize where we were in this good and faithful servant spot. Those moments that challenged us, that would propel us into something more. Hebrews 13, 16 says this. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So I, I share that with you because the question becomes, how do we sacrifice how do, we, how do we sacrifice? How do we do that today, right? I don't have the goat. So how do we do that today? What does sacrifice look like to us? And it's interesting because in Hebrews, a little later, it's kind of like, hey, don't neglect to do good, which means do good. <laughs> All right, for those of you with the same level of education that I have, it means do good and to share what you have. For those sacrifices are pleasing to God. Good and faithful servant, that sounds like a pleasantry, right? <laughs> it's pleasing to God. So do good and share what you have. Look, 
I've said it so many times. The whole reason why we, why we put being boldly generous into the identity of the church is because that we believe that we should do good and we should share what we have. So just as we apply that to our lives individually, that's why we apply it to our lives corporately as a church, because we believe in what Hebrews 13 sa 16 says, right? If you want to please God, listen, there are some people who will fill their days and fill their schedules, and they will work and work and work and work and work to try to earn God's affection, and I'll tell you, 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 don't, you don't have to earn it. It's like my, my children. They don't have to earn my affection. They have my affection already. But what you see in here is that when, when, you, when you have someone who loves you like that, it is natural to want to reciprocate that love. It's natural to do that. Not out of an obligation, not out of a, if I don't do this, he's going to be mad at me and he's going to leave me. It's nothing like that. It's out of a desire to please. And so here we are. We serve the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who, have, who has loved us, who sent his son for us. And so we want to know how we can please him, right? Do good and share what you have. But I need more. <laughs> I feel like I got to have a title. I feel like I got to have a spot. I feel like I got to do a thing. You know what the Bible says? It says that we need to do good and share what you have. Now, I am believing just for this moment that that not, is not in reference to the food when I order food somewhere. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a good food share. If any of you have ate around me, Bethany will probably tell you stories where I'm not friendly. I mean, I'm not friendly about sharing food. Actually, the other day, she wanted a bite of something that I ordered. I gave her a bite. That was boldly generous life right here that I am living, folks. All right. She asked for a second bite, and I said, get your own. Okay. Bite two. I drew a line. You know, you still, you got, you got to have principles in life. Um, and I stand it up, faithful to God in that. Um, <laughs> so when we look at this, I, I want you to think about your life. And I want to think about what you're doing. I believe that as a church, we are working incredibly hard to do good and to share what we have, okay? I believe that we are working incredibly hard to make sure that that is in the DNA of who we are. But we need to model that every single day where we are, right? Because our goal is when we are in the community, uh, Linda, I think it was Linda who said on the podcast the one day that she said it's been so different for her because most of the churches that she's gone to have been outside of the community that she lived in. And all of a sudden, she's now going to a, a community of believers, and she's seeing the community and seeing the community of believers that she's with at the Kroger, <laughs> like out and about seeing these people. And so it's a little tricky because Linda's got to, you know, she's got to keep her stuff together, right, Linda? I mean, she was letting loose before she started coming here, I'm telling you. <laughs> if you know Linda, you know that wasn't the case. But, but, but I'll tell you this, is that we, we, have to, we have to continue to fuel this desire to be faithful by fulfilling these types of things, to just be good, man. 
Like, it's crazy because I feel like some people build up so much, all these things that we have to do, all these boxes that you have to check off. And I'm just going to be perfectly honest. If you want to please God, how about you just trying to do good and share what you have? It's that simple. We have made it so complicated that if you are not filling some role or filling some spot or checking some box, that you don't get the benefit of being a son or a daughter of God. And that simply isn't in the Word of God. It is do good and share. See, our lives and energy and efforts are spent too often trying to make sure that everyone else is good. (laughs) Right? I'm good, but, you know, sister so-and-so, she's struggling with that whole good thing. And she didn't share her quesadilla with me either. I'm just going to say it, right? <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever ordered a quesadilla in my life. But, but we have to look at our own lives and we have to decide, am I going to live this type of a life? Am I going to be good? Am I going to do this? Like our goal, our goal as a church isn't to try to get people to give more financially, Right? Our goal is for ourselves to do good and to share what we have. That's why you guys have laughed at me, and it, it did blow up on my face once. Anytime that we've been out in the community, anytime we've done a movie night, anytime that we've given free food away, I try to tell everyone right up front, let me be perfectly clear, we are not taking any money from anybody, no matter what they suggest, no matter what they say, we are not taking money from people, Okay. And that's hard for some people to hear, but I'm telling you right now, the people in those cars, they need to hear, oh, we're only here to serve you. We absolutely will not take anything from you because all we are here to do is to do good and to share what we have. That's it. And it was funny because uh, when we did the free donuts over at the Grind, um, I think it was uh, uh, Clarissa maybe who said to me, hey, well, what happens if they throw money at us? I was like, man, you guys are really, like, really concerned about this, aren't you? And I was like, well, if they throw money at you, throw it right back at them, okay? Like, just chuck it back at them. And I am not kidding. It happened. (laughs) Guy pulls up in a truck, and I'm watching. I'm watching everything that's going on. And literally, the guy tries to give him money, and they're like, no, 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 we're not taking any money. And he chucks. I don't know what it was. It was like a dollar and some coins, whatever. He just threw it at them. And they listened to me. Um, they, they were grabbing, Tom, Tom. They were screaming, Tom, Tom, he did it, he did And they're grabbing it. He was gone before they could ever pick it up. And so we just went in and put it in the tip jar um, is what we did. But, um, but like our, our desire as a church and individually should be, we should have this desire to please God. But if you look at the word, it's so much simpler than anything else that you usually hear. It's literally as simple as doing good and sharing what you have. It's that simple. It's not, it's not this overcomplicated, difficult thing that we have to do. You know, if you look at the word of God, there's a whole lot more in there about doing good and sharing what you have than there is about showing up to a building and staying in your bubble of security. And I believe that I believe that we can all agree that becoming a good and faithful servant looks 
a whole lot more like us choosing to be like Jesus, right? The way that he spent his time, how he invested his resources. And it brought me to Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. Because if we think about being good and faithful, and we call ourselves Christians, we should be imitating the life of Christ. We should be following the things that he did, and we should be like Christ was. And in Matthew 9, 10 through 13, it says this, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. It says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What's, what's interesting about this exchange is the church was angry. The church was angry because they looked at it like this. You're wasting all this time on these sinners and not spending any time on me. Youchers. I've shared this, um, I believe I've shared this before, that... You know, Bethany and I were youth pastors, and uh, it was probably, I don't know, eight, ten years ago when we were youth pastors at this church. And uh, we showed up to the church, and there was, uh, we were told they had about a youth group of about 30 kids. Um, We were pretty pumped. I mean, we've always done everything volunteer, so we were excited just to be able to go do it. I was unemployed at the time, so I didn't have anything to do. And so I needed something, or I was going to drive Beth crazy. And so we, uh, we pair up to go lead this youth ministry of 30 kids, and we're just, we're out of our mind excited. And we get to the first service, and there's six. And we're like, what happened? <laughs> Did they hear about us? Like, what happened? Six. I thought you said there was 30. Um, and uh, there, wa- there weren't 30 kids. And, <clears throat> and so when Beth and I, we started uh, working with the youth and the teens and everything there, and uh, we have this really unique ability to draw a very interesting bunch. I'll just say that. That's been our style, okay? And uh, I'll never forget this. Um, I, I finally landed a job, um, and I was sitting there, and uh, we had just had a youth event, and uh, it was, it was. I think it was a really stupid one. It was one of these stupid ideas I had, and um, we... Uh, we had these dress-up nights that we had themed with the youth. I think we did one a month or something. And this month, we had planned what we called formal night. And they were all supposed to, dre- like, straight-up dress up, like prom dresses, suits, everything like that. Um, by the way, apparently, at that time, I didn't realize that when you called something a formal, they thought that was a dance because um, I called it formal night. So, like, all the girls showed up with their boyfriends thinking we were having a dance. They were a little bit disappointed 
to teach me what that meant when it, you call something formal night. That that's, I just said, dress up formal. That's all I meant. Um, anyways, we had people in the church that helped, and they made, like, they made all these like, fancy desserts for the kids. It was awesome. It was super cool. And uh, I had this old beat-up red F-350 pickup because I'm a Ford man. And uh, I was like, guys, you know what we're doing tonight? And we're like, what? I was like, I'm teaching you about evangelism. They're like, we're here for the dance. I'm like, no, you ain't. <laughs> Sorry about it. Um, I was wearing an orange tux that I had borrowed. It was straight decked out. It was awesome. Um, and... Uh, what we had done is we had bought cases of Mountain Dews um, that all had, like, um, invite cards taped to them. And we were like, guess what, guys? We're all loading in the back of this truck, and we're going a street, across the street to the park to go give out. And they're like, in our dresses and everything? I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing. And, and it's hilarious because there's pictures of us in suits and dresses walking through Miami, whatever. I don't remember what it's called. Miami Meadows Park. And uh, we're going up to those skating. I think I played basketball with some of the kids there and made myself look like a fool. It was amazing. Um, and we did it. But I got a, I got a text the next day um, at that, uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the pastor's wife um, letting me know that we were spending way too much time with the lost kids. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know how to respond to this. <laughs> like, was she just complimenting me? Like, you were so much like Jesus, you know? Like, is that what it was? That was not what it was. <laughs> um, misread that completely. Um, <laughs> but I am completely okay with everyone accusing us of being too focused on the community. I am completely okay with everyone saying that we don't do enough of this because we're so busy serving in this capacity or in that capacity. Look, if we do nothing else and we are just opening doors for all of the other churches, that is a beautiful exchange that we get to be a part of. Because my goal, more than anything, is to expand the kingdom of heaven, not to expand Real Church Goshen. I'll just be honest with you. I don't want to do a building campaign. I don't want to do any of that stuff. Huh. It was a lot of work to get to this building where it's at. And we still got work to do. And I don't want to do it. <laughs> I done. I got a lot of projects at home best bugging me about, okay? <laughs> I just can't get them done. And I did have someone in my office this week, and they did look up and notice that I still haven't finished the wood up there. And that, that was, I felt like they're going to tell Beth that they noticed it, and I'm going to be in trouble. Um, but, but our, our goal as a body and individually is to be good and faithful servants. That's it. That's what we are trying to be. That's what we are trying to do. Anything else that you feel pressured to become, that you feel pressured to do, is probably coming from somewhere else. Because all that God really wants us to do is to do good and to share what we have. To be good and faithful. You don't have to accomplish all these things that you've heard in the church all of your life. You need to read the Word. You need to understand the Word. But you know what you need? You need to be good and faithful. Look, you can be in this every day of your life, but if you treat your spouse like garbage, it's no good. You can be in this, dads, and you can treat your children like dirt, and it's no good because you know what you're doing to them? You're making a mockery of this. 
And when they see that, you know what they will do is they will run from this because they attribute it to your actions and to your ways and to your thoughts. And see, that's what happens in the world. The world sees what we put emphasis on. They see what we put value in. And when all they see is that within the world of the church, that the value is placed on your attendance solely, there's nothing. It's empty. I can show up and play golf every Saturday. (laughs) I actually can't play golf, but I just wanted to say that to make you all question, Tom plays golf in those boots? <laughs> yes. I will say that I did play golf once in boots. Um, it wasn't real golf. It was top golf. Played top golf, and I was wearing an outfit. I had a flannel on and boots, and we were playing with friends, and they were in polos, golf gloves, brought their own clubs, like straight legit, like in it to win it. And I'm like, boots and flannel, like, y'all going to play some golf with me? You should have seen how angry they were when I beat them. (laughs) We've never played top golf with them again, ever. (laughs) But I, I I want you to understand that if we, if we want our lives and we want to be recognized within our own body as truly being more like Jesus, then we have to be with the sinners. See, we have, in the church, allowed this idea to live on that as long as I'm at the church and, and, I, and, and I'm at the Bible study and I'm at the men's group and I'm at the this and I'm at the that, that I, I'm going to be good. But if we do all of that and we never truly minister or care for our neighbors and for those around us, we're missing it. And see, this, this life being modeled after Christ, that is what the church should look like because you have experienced grace. See, we, we cannot continue to get upset because of the words that someone else says or the actions that they do or the places that they go. I know many, many people that have gone through disgusting divorces Disgusting relationships because they thought that all of a sudden the guy would be a completely different person once they got married. I don't know where that theory comes from, but it does not work that way. And in the church, we do the same thing. Well, this person is jacked up. They got issues. They got problems. All of a sudden they start coming to the church, and you think they're just going to get clean. (laughs) It ain't like that. It's messy. It's hard. It's laborious. It is all of those things. And if we truly desire to hear good and faithful servant, it will require us being willing to give up our attention, to give up our special treatment, and spend more time suggesting that it needs to go to those that are without. Now, I would tell you this. especially with, you know, with our new schedule that we've done this year, guys. Most of y'all who know me know that I love to speak. I love it. I love it. It's like my favorite thing. 
I go to these conferences, and they ask me to talk, and I'm like, are you sure you want me to talk? And I get to go talk to hundreds of people, and I come back, and I'm like, I'm just an old farm boy from Goshen. <laughs> Cracks me up. We do all these web. And so I would tell you this, that even when we started this, I was like, this is, gonna, this is something that I'm giving up, right? By not speaking every single Saturday, getting the platform, as they might call it, Right? Right? But I know that there's more value in us being out there with them than there is for me to just sit here and talk to you. We can go out there and we can show them the hands and feet of Jesus like they've never experienced before. That they could experience love and grace so that, you know what, they might say, I need to connect into that. Not because I heard some bald guy in a flannel talk. That doesn't matter. You know what matters is when we get down, we get in the dirt with them, we get in their lives and we understand what they're going through and who they are. And that happens when we're there with them, not when we're here, not when we're hiding from the world. I'm not saying we're hiding from the world. Y'all get what I'm saying here. But when we are out there with them and we are ministering like that, because I believe that is being a good and faithful servant I ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. I just want to want to remind you that we we have this goal to be a good and faithful servant, but if we are going to get back to that, we have to get to a place of faith in our lives. Not having faith for our own desires or our own gain or our own things, but faith for the things in the kingdom. Faith to do good and to share what we have. Faith to invest into those that have nothing, that they might receive the saving grace that is in Jesus Christ. That is being a good and faithful servant. And that is the lives that we are trying to live as a church every single day. Thanks again for listening to this message from Real Church Goshen. You can find out more about us and our services by visiting us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Real Church Goshen.